Hey, today we're continuing this series in Philippians, and we're talking about relationships. I've got my friend Blake Comers here, and so I was going to get Blake to come up. We're going to chat just for a minute because I'd like you to know what he's up to, and a lot of that is about relationships. And so, Blake, is uh, you were here for a while at our church Yes. Um, as youth pastor. You've been gone five years or more. How long? Uh, we left... 2013, I want to say we left in the, the fall of 2013, so for almost, for almost four years. A few years. years ago, all right. Yeah, that doesn't seem right, but that, I think that's right. That doesn't seem right either, but let's just go with that. Let's go with okay, that. Okay, all right, right, let's right, get right. All right, good. Now, you, you made your way after you left us. Now you're in New York City. Yes, we are living in Brooklyn, New York, a neighborhood called Greenpoint. And your lovely wife, and you have two kids, yes. and you live in an apartment about the size of this table, from yeah, what I well, understand. I, you know what? Actually, we were in a place about this size, and then yes. we doubled our space. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's actually about 800 square feet, but it's... Uh, so it's, it's crazy big now. Okay, yeah, that's I mean, good. That's I really mean good. by New York standards, that is large. All right, your heart is to do ministry in New York. Tell me, you're, you have a... A heart for it, but you also have a strategy. So what's the strategy right. for what you're doing there? Right. So uh, the heart behind what we want to plant a church, um, however, the, the type of church that we want to plant is just going to look different than, uh, than this, honestly. Um, right. uh, what we want to do is we want to love people, invite them into relationship, invite them into our lives, um, and uh, share the gospel with them through that, through inviting them into our home, through just being their friend uh, and and showing them the, the the difference that Christ makes in, in in us. And your sweet wife was here. When were you? You were here a few months ago, and you were, yeah, yeah. October. And you were telling us about doing um, brunches, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell, tell us about. So that. we've been we've been trying to be intentional about having uh, people over for brunch, whether it's our neighbor our neighbors across the hall, or uh, recently we had. Uh, a family that lives around the corner who they've got three kids, one that's Neely's age, one that's Jackson's age, and then like a brand new baby. Um, and, and we invited them over just to, brunch is a way of life in, in New York City. It's a, it is a religion in and of itself. Uh, so we, we want to kind of redeem that and just uh, invite people onto our home so that we can, we can do that. So that, that's one thing that we're doing, um, trying to invite people that we meet, uh, neighbors, um, yeah, just to, to, to show them uh, love and just uh, genuine hospitality. All right, so I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say this isn't the easiest thing you've ever done. Is no, that right? No, okay. no, it's not. I, in, 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 a, in a couple ways, in some ways it, it, it is a lot easier than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting, I, as Southerners, we have this perception of New Yorkers that they are hard and cold and mean and rude, and they are, but they're not. Not all the time. If you get in the, like, all right, so what it is, it's on, the, it's on the way to work, on the way home from work. We don't, no, don't get in anybody's way. Uh, I said we. I'm not there. I mean, I'm not a New Yorker yet. I hope to be one day. But uh, it's, been, it's been really hard on, on some levels because uh, people are just, they're, they're, they're so far away from, 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 from Jesus. They... They like the idea of something spiritual. They like the idea that we're wanting to plant a church. Like, we're very open about that. We're not in China where we get arrested for that. We are very open about we want to plant a church. We are Christians. We love Jesus. 
Uh, and so people hear that and they're like, that's great. And that's the end of it. They don't want any, anything further to do with it really uh, so far. And it's, so, sort of, it's great for you. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very much that. that. And so uh, what, what's, um, that, that, that's been a little bit difficult. Uh, but uh, but we, what, what, what we are resolved to do is just fight through that and love them through that. And how can we pray for you? Because that's, I know you appreciate that. And, yeah. and so tell us how we can best be in prayer for you and what you all are doing. Yeah, so the, the, the biggest things uh, that, that, that we're facing, the biggest, like, I guess, struggles would be uh, the, the relationships that we're building. Um, we have uh, quite a few people that, I, I mean, a good many people that, that, that we are in relationships with, friendships with. Larbeth has a group of uh, mostly it's moms who come. It's moms who come on Monday night, um, and they watch TV. They watch The Bachelor, <laughs> but they don't watch it. I mean, they do watch it, but they aren't they aren't there to watch it. They're there to talk to each other. Um, so you can pray for that time. Uh, the relationships that are being built there, that are being forged uh, there. Uh, you can pray for the relationships that we have with the people in our building um, over the last. Uh, since, since we've been in, in the building that we're in since uh, for a little over a year, um, I guess about 16 months, uh, we've been just trying to, to get to know our neighbors, get to know the people there, love them in just like southern ways. I mean, like we, we leave cookies or cupcakes out. I mean, that's a, that's a really southern thing uh, so that they can grab that on their way to work. And that's actually been really uh, a cool way to get an open door into people's lives. We're hoping to... We, there's actually one girl who lives on the third floor that we're hoping that she'll come down and have dinner with us uh, really soon. So you can be praying for that. Cool. Um, I work, I, I wait tables uh, to supplement uh, the money that we've raised. Uh, and um, I, I've, I've just been able to build relationships with people that are just really far from Jesus that that want, um, man, what, what they're in and for right now is just they are living for themselves completely. And I'm able to build relationships with them. And it's just, uh, at this point, I'm just trying to to get to the place with them to where we're friends enough to where we can have conversations. And and there's specifically one guy's name is Kevin that that, that we've, I've really, I've gotten past that initial, uh, you know. That little barrier, you're you're one step in. Yeah, Yeah. so it's been been really, uh, really cool just to get to know him a little bit more. And, uh, and he, he's actually even beginning to ask me questions about, oh. uh, about, you know, where, where do I find hope in this world? And I'm like, are you, is that real? Are wow. you really asking me that? Yeah. And I was like, Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, he's, he, he even, he's searching for something because he's, he's trying to, he's trying to find like, um, I don't know, uh, this, he, he's chasing, a, a a feeling of, of just, I don't know, transcendence. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working with him right now and, awesome. and steering him towards the book of Ecclesiastes, which sounds kind of weird, but, uh, he's actually reading it, which is crazy to think because yeah. this guy wants nothing to do with Jesus. Um, but he's, he's reading the Bible right now. So. Super cool. Thank you for what you do. Yeah. Thank you for letting us be a part of yeah, it. Absolutely. And we're going to continue to pray for you and, thank and you. give, and, um, we're always happy when you're here. We yeah. love to, to catch up a little yeah. bit. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. We're talking about relationships, and this is going to help me get started. So thank you so much, Blake. Blake Comer, everybody. That's Blake right there. Okay. What's really cool about 
Blake's story is he's, he's gone to a place where there's not a lot of particular receptivity to Christianity, that sort of thing, which is exactly what Paul found in, the, in the, this place, this town called Philippi. And so he starts a church there. The church begins to grow. He leaves to go plant another church. While he's in prison, he writes them a letter. And what we have in Philippians is this letter that he wrote back to them. Now, this is a letter, it's personal, because these are his friends, and he's writing to them, hey, this is a personal letter to you guys, and I know who you are, and I'm going to talk to you. Very personal. Um, It's a thank you note. Um, Hey, thank you for giving to help support our ministry and other places. So, super personal. It's, It's Paul to people. He knew, and it, it's kind of a really nice thing. It's also really, really practical. And today we're going to talk about how you deal with, with other people, individuals. And he kind of jumps in. We're in chapter 1, and he's going to start talking about people. This is how you relate to other folks. So it's really practical. But the thing I think most people find uh, most uh, endearing about Philippians is that it's really positive. He talks about joy, and he talks about uh, how to enjoy things and how... To, to, to be um, sustained in difficult times. And so Paul writes a letter while in prison and he talks to people about the, the opportunity that we have to have joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so today it's all about relationships. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of verses beginning in verse 3. Now, somewhere we're moving offices from this side to this side, and somewhere in a box is my preaching Bible, so I have my tablet today. So uh, either turn or um, log in and get there. But anyway, I know it's on your phones and that sort of thing, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And and the big idea for the day is great relationships are a huge part of an enjoyable life. I don't think anybody would argue that. Uh, Honestly, If your relationships or when your relationships are strained, life is really, really difficult. And so what we're going to talk about, Paul had this way of of dealing with people. I mean, look, if if your relationships at work are strained, life isn't that much fun. If your relationships at school are strained, life isn't that much fun. If your relationships in your family, have you ever had family issues? Um, you know, you got a sister uh, that drives you nuts. Uh, you got a brother that's crazy. You know, your parents. Oh, by the way, by the way, my mom's here today. My mama right here uh, never drove anybody crazy, but uh, she's right there. But her side of the family, um, there's not a black sheep. There's a black herd. I, I mean, there's a there. And so um, uh, we understand what that's like. Have, have you ever, you know, when you're at issue or when you have. An issue with your spouse? I mean, good grief, you know. Everybody that has ever had an issue with their spouse, where it's strained, knows that's really, really difficult. In fact, the Bible says, enjoy life with your wife, who you love. Because sometimes it's not that much fun, and it can be difficult, and you have to learn to deal with one another. Uh, A newly married man, this is a cute little story, he was kind of feeling a little insecure, so he asked his wife, he said, would you have married me if my father hadn't left me that fortune? And she said, oh, honey, I'd have married you. Whoever left you that fortune? Uh, so uh, you have to understand that relationships are tough, and they can devolve, and, and it can become a, a matter of endurance rather 
than enjoyment. So let's jump into the text. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And Paul, again, writing a personal letter to his friends, says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, you've probably heard that verse, verse 6. Philippians is full of these bumper sticker verses. They are great, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. But this is sort of a model for us. If we'll look at it, we're going to kind of break it down a little bit of how you have good relationships, even when relationships are strained. So what do you do? How do you go about having positive relationships? Well, the first thing is you be grateful for the people, the good in people. I thank God every time I remember you. We have a choice what we think about. We choose. God is amazing and he gives us this gift called free will. And we have the freedom to pick what we think about. And Paul chose to think positively about his situation in Philippi. Now let's review just for a second, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. Paul goes to this town called Philippi. He is subsequently arrested under false charges. He's beaten, thrown into prison. Um, (laughs) While he's in prison, there's an earthquake. The bars on his cell are popped open, but he doesn't escape. He wins the jailer to Christ. Subsequently, or ultimately, they invite Paul to leave the city. Now, i got to tell you, honestly, if I was jailed under false pretenses, beaten because I was uh, imprisoned, and uh, suffered through an earthquake that could have killed, my, killed me, uh, could have taken my life, I may not have had the most fond remembrance of that particular place. I mean, really, I, you understand this. If you go to a restaurant and you walk out with food poisoning, typically you don't have a good feel for that place. Can anybody say uh, a place that rhymes with yo jangles? Yes, I mean, I think maybe you can. So, uh, if, if you have a bad experience in a place, a lot of times, that's what you remember. But Paul said basically, hey, I'm not going to dwell. My focus isn't going to be on the things that went wrong. I can focus on the pain or I can focus on the positive. I get to choose. And some of you have been hurt, I mean, by a parent or a a partner, and, and, and you just hold on to that stuff. And just, just, uh, it's just us talking. Sometimes people like to be hurt. They, they kind of wallow in self-pity, and getting over it would mean you have to get on with your life. And so sometimes it's just easier to stay in this one place and just be mad. Because at least it's something. But, but Paul, I mean, he had the choice. He could have said, well, man, Philippi, that place stinks. Uh, they beat me and they put me in jail. And he, he says, I thank God every time I remember you. Every time I think about Philippi, I don't think about the beating. I don't think about the imprisonment. I don't think about the earthquake. I remember you. And I think about you and the positive influence that you've had on my life and that I've had on your life. He chooses to dwell on the positive. It's really important. 
University of Georgia. I know we're not big fans of University of Georgia, but they did some research, so bear with me, okay? And, and they did this research about relationships, and they published this in a, a journal called Personal Relationships, and they uh, interviewed 254 married couples. Like, what does it take to have a great marriage? Now, look at these results. The most significant, consistent, significant predictor of happy marriage was whether one's spouse expressed gratitude. <laughs> you may not get anything out of today. If you take this away, it is really important. Feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, how committed you are to it, and your belief that it will last. Too many times in marriage we focus on the negative. I was talking to a guy just this week about his young son who had just gotten married. He's you know, 22, 22 years old, just gotten married. His new bride had, <laughs> she had cleaned the apartment. She had um, attempted to make a meal. Uh, I think you get what I'm saying. Uh, she had it all on the table when he came home. He, he comes in, he takes a bite of, I think it was the cornbread. By the way, <laughs> this is an aside. Why do you eat cornbread with chili? That, that is weird. Uh, Mama, we don't do that, do we? No, look at that. Mama says, no, no. Cornbread and chili, that's whack. Anyway, she has cornbread made, and he takes a bite, and he said, first thing out of his mouth when he comes home, takes a bite, he says something to the effect of, you forgot to put oil in this, didn't you? Oh, how do you think that went down? Anybody? So now this patient little new wife said, I have done a lot of stuff around here today. And the one thing I do wrong, she may have been generous with that. The one thing I do wrong, you point out. I want you to get up, go out the door, and come back in. Let's start over. We're gonna get a, you're going to get a mulligan on this. You're going to get to do this again. Start over. Because you really messed it. Listen, listen, one of the greatest things we can do for people is to express gratitude. Now, I have never met a perfect spouse. In fact, here, here's the lesson. Remember the best, forget the rest. R- remember the best, forget the rest. Listen, ladies... Did you know that Mr. Potato Head was voted uh, the perfect man? Did you know that? Here's why. He's tan. He's cute. He knows how to accessorize. And if he looks at another woman, you can rearrange his face. That, that made him... But most of us who are husbands are not perfect. So, you have to appreciate people. Look at Paul. I'm glad because of the way you've been my partners in ministry of the gospel from the first time you believed until now. We've been in a a partnership. You and I, we're working at this thing together. You've been loyal to me. I mean, I think loyalty doesn't get enough credit. Maybe it doesn't get enough love. Who has been loyal to you? Uh, like you go through bankruptcy, but you've got some friends that are loyal to you. you. You are just a jerk, and yet your spouse is still loyal to you. How do you express that? Shouldn't we not express that? So you focus on the best, 
And you forget the things that you can forget. And if there has to be work done, then you work on it together. I mean, he's talking about being a partner. If there's stuff to work on, you work on it together. But you don't just write somebody off because you don't like what they've done. Because everybody will disappoint you at some point. So number one, you're grateful for the good in people. Number two, you practice positive praying. We're going to talk about how to do it. A lot of times people are confused. Like, what do I pray about? Well, this is good. Whenever I pray for you, he says, I make my requests for all of you with joy. I'm praying for you with joy. And I got to tell you, Blake, I know one of the best things you can do for a guy in ministry is for somebody to say, hey, I've been praying for you. Uh, as a pastor, I love it when somebody says, hey, I've been praying for you. When you want to pray about something, I mean, the reason I stand over here on Sunday afternoon uh, after the service uh, is, is because if you want to come and pray about something, I'm gonna, I want to pray with you because I know what an encouragement that is. So Paul said, hey, I'm going to pray for you because here's the thing about prayer. Praying for people positively changes things. If nothing else, it changes us, the one praying. I can't guarantee you you're going to get what you ask for in prayer. I just can't do it. Sometimes my prayers aren't in God's will. I, I get that. It doesn't keep me from praying. I, I pray anyway. But people will say, I've been praying for you. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, God bless them. Well, be more specific. Here, here's the thing about prayer. The more specific your prayers are, the more specific, or pacific, depending on where you're from, uh, the more specific your answers to prayer can be. So, instead of... Um, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm, tell me what kind of things I can pray for. I pray for your, your work. Uh, Blake gave us things and people we can pray for. Uh, the, the girl uh, in the apartment above them. I mean, there, there are things specifically we can pray about because he's told us this. So when we pray for one another, let's be specific. Now, now Paul is really specific. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of, the, of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So let's break it down. That's kind of a big chunk. Let's break it down in little bite-sized pieces. Paul prayed that they would grow in love. I pray that your love will overflow. More and more. I pray that you'll grow in love. Miriam and I, I think our very first house we ever owned was in Clovis, New Mexico. I was pastoring there. We bought this house. It was a nice house, two stories. Outside the house was this box on the ground. It was a wooden box. It was weird. And so I opened it up. I don't, does anybody else, is anybody else phobic of spiders? Dwayne is like a, he is the biggest spider baby I've ever seen. Uh, but anyway, um, I opened the lid. Dude, you would have <laughs> run off screaming like a little girl. I mean, it was that spot, you know? So I get my hammer and I'm breaking it up because I don't want a box in the middle of my yard. Well, the box was covering a pipe kind of thing. A, a pipey deal. I don't want to be too specific, or, you know, I don't want to be too technical, but a pipey thing. Now, I just assumed it was there uh, for no good reason, so I unattached it. I, there, was a little, there was a little place to unscrew it, and I did. Now, 
Come to find out it was water. There was water in that line. Under pressure, evidently. Because it shot up about 30 feet in the air. I mean, it was like a geyser. It was like, okay. So I, I had to run to the street. And, you know, you take that little thing and you, like, cut all the water off to the house. I, that's what I did. But the point is, when he says, I want your love to overflow. That's the first thing I thought of. It's like, oh, I undid that and nearly died from water. I mean, it was like so much. We're to be loving to people. In fact, Jesus said, they'll know you are Christians by our love. This is who we are. This is what we're about. We're to love people. And so he prayed, I pray that you will grow in love. This is something we should pray for our kids. This is something we should pray for our spouse. This is something we should pray for ourselves. I'd like to grow in love. This is the truth. Then he says, I pray that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I mean, good grief. Who doesn't want to know the right thing to do? I pray that you'll have wisdom. That's a prayer we could pray for anybody. We certainly should pray for ourselves. In fact, in James it says, if you, have, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. This is a guaranteed win when you pray for wisdom. Because God wants to give you that. Pray for wisdom. The third thing, he prays that they do the right thing. For I want you to understand that what really matters, um, so that you may live pure and blameless lives. Pray that they are able to do the right thing. A lot of people are walking around with guilt. A lot of people walking around with regrets. I mean, this is a prayer to preempt those things. That you'll make the right decisions. That you'll live pure and blameless lives. It's kind of uh, uh, it's uh, a pre- prerequisite to, to, to not having regrets and shame. And fourthly, he says, I pray that you'll bring glory to God. Uh, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Too often our prayers sort of go the way of, Lord, bless me, or Lord, bless so-and-so. What this prayer is, is, Lord, may their life bring you blessing. We can pray it for ourselves. Lord, may my life bring you blessing. May what I do put a smile on your face. I, I, my, my daughter Amaris is here from, from Louisville. Uh, she drove down, drove my mom here. and i got to tell you, when you're a dad and your kids have been away, you know what the best thing in the world is? For them not to be away. When, when she walks in the house, it, it puts a smile on our faces. Miriam is, she is happy as she can be. We hear uh, Elise and Amaris laughing or talking. This is the joy that we can bring our Heavenly Father. We can come into His presence. We can bring Him joy. And so His prayer is, hey, let's... I want for you that you bring God glory. I want for me that I can bring God glory. So first we we are grateful for the good in people. We remember the best and we forget the rest and Secondly, we practice 
positive praying. And thirdly, we're going to kind of hang out here for a minute. We're patient with people's progress. We're not the most patient society. I don't know if you all have noticed that. Uh, we have microwave everything. Um, fast food, if it's not fast enough. I mean, have you ever done, gone through a pull-through? This is the beauty of Chick-fil-A, right? Where they have two lanes. Whoever designed that, that is brilliant. Um, that, that's, that was obviously from God. That, that's from God. It really is. Um, they're out there with a little, little iPad taking your order, and when you pull up, they just give you the food. I mean, it's just great. You have to pay, of course. But uh, it's great. Love that. Just love that. We don't live a very patient society. But Paul says, he is confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. He who began a good work in you will carry it on. In my office, I could, if I had an office, um, I could take you to books that I've started, but I haven't finished. Anybody else? Liars. Okay, uh, yes, you have. Books that you start, that you don't finish. Um, I've got projects around the house that I start, but they get a little tough, and I'm like, I don't know. You know what? I never, ever start, and there's one thing I start, and I always finish. One thing. Dessert. I, I, every time I start a dessert, I have never walked away from the table with half a brownie there. Not one time. Never. Can I get a witness? I mean, that's the truth. Apple pie. There is... I will, if you weren't in the room, I would lick the plate. I mean, I, I will finish the job. Dessert, I never leave, unless it's got sour cream in it or something weird like that. <laughs> Enough. But if it's, mama makes butternut squash pie. <sighs> Come to Jesus. I mean, I'm telling you now, mama makes butternut squash pie. And then she lets everybody else eat some of it. I mean, really. Uh, that's for me, that's for me. She, she, she never one time that I can remember have I not completed dessert. Now, what Paul is saying is God treats us like I treat dessert. He who began a good work in you, he is going to see it to completion. He finishes what he starts. Now, Let me show you a couple verses. Dear friends, now we are children of God. We have not not yet been shown what we will be in the future. But we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like Him. The ultimate goal is for us to be like Him. So the lesson for today is God's not finished with you yet, with people yet. Don't give up on people. God's not finished with people yet. Too too often we put conditions. I'm I'm not going to be responsive to my husband until he does this. I'm not going to be responsive to my kids until they do that. You you love them where they are. Because if you demand perfection of people... Here's why. We, We set this sort of rule... For me to really love you, you got to do this. Well, then by the time they get to this, we've said, um, and this. They get this, and, and we're never happy. We have to learn to enjoy people in the process. 
in the process. Let me show you another verse. To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're all becomers. We're all working the program. We're all in process. All of us. Nobody's arrived. We're all in process. That's why he said, being confident that he who began a good work, he who began a good work, I think Paul was saying, hey, nobody is hopeless. Here's a common mistake. We tend to judge people on how far they have to go, not how far they've come. I mean, you, you, you're around somebody who's rough around the edges. Well, yeah, but where do they start? And we have to be patient with people. Yeah, he's not there yet. I'm preaching this to me because someday I'm going to have sons-in-law. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take this third point and I'm going to put it on the mirror, my bathroom mirror, and I'm going to remind myself that I have to be patient with people in the process. Because if I'm not and they hurt my girls, I'm going to kill them. Uh, so I have to remember, I've got to be patient with people. Seven million, no, seven billion people on this planet. And God shows up with work gloves and a tool belt and a plan For every one of us. How amazing is that? And he who began a good work, and he has an agenda for us, and he has an idea. The blueprint looks like this. He wants us to uh, have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when he looks at the blueprint, that's what he sees, and that's what he wants to see in us. And I've got to be honest with you, sometimes my growth curve, you know, I'm going up and to the right, but then I can flatten out a little bit. And, and if we're not careful, what we think is, I'm tired of growing spiritually, I'm just going to flatten out here a little bit, I'm going to relax, I'm going to rest, God is going to be okay with that, He's going to settle for this, and He may let us catch our breath. But then it's time to get back at it. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. You'll see it to completion. And maybe you're here today and you've kind of flatlined a little bit. You, your, your growth curve has settled and, and you're coloring outside the lines a little bit. You know what God wants you to do, but maybe ethically you're, you're kind of outside the lines or morally you're outside the lines and you know what you're supposed to do, but you're not quite there and maybe you're... You've fallen into materialism because that's super easy to do in our culture. Or you are judgmental. Super easy to do in our culture. And Today you need to hear God who began a good work in you to create a person of joy and peace and patience. He who began that good work to create that in you is going to see it to completion. This is a, a work by Michelangelo. It is amazing, frankly. I wish we could show it like closer. Because of the details, this is marble. He chiseled marble. I mean, look at the way this is Mary. Uh, this is a depiction. It's called Pieta. It's a depiction of Mary uh, with Jesus after he's taken off the cross. I, I mean, look at the folds of her robe. 
Look at the way, if you could see, I can't remember everywhere my little, oh, golly, sorry. Where's my little pointer? Oh, yeah, right there. Her thumb sort of pushes up the skin of his arm. I mean, this is a piece of marble. It's not like he took some clay and made it. He took this lump of rock. <laughs> he took rock. Is anybody that just amazes me that a guy could take rock and make that? And, and from what I understand, you know, I'm not a sculptor, but from what I understand, he has this sort of big chisel. The technical term is the big chisel. And he starts with the big chisel. And he chisels off the big stuff. And then he gets the next size chisel. You know what that's called? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, the littler chisel. And he littler chisels it. Actually, it's the pitching chisel, the tooth chisel. Then he has something called a rasp and a riffler. And then he gets down to what they call rough abrasives and then smooth abrasives. This took two years. I mean, the guy commissioned this. I forget. I read the story this week, but I can't remember now. Uh, some guy commissioned him to do this in 1498, I think. And it took him months to find the right piece of marble. <laughs> and then it took him two years to create that. I think it's just a really cool picture of he who began a good work. He didn't do it in a day or a week or a month. It took a while. And he used big chisels and little chisels and rasps and flickles and blipples and all those things. He used this stuff that we don't even know about. Super interesting part of this story. It was on display and in 1972 this guy jumped the barrier with a hammer. And took a hammer to it. Now he was mentally unstable. <laughs> but he knocked off Mary's nose, her hand here. He tore that off with his hammer. And they put it back together. Not everybody is going to be happy that you are progressing spiritually. It's good to remember that. I mean, God is creating a masterpiece in you. We, we saw that verse last week. For you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he in advance created for you to do. Not everybody's going to be happy with it. Maybe they, they're jealous or you make them feel bad because you're doing well. Don't let that get you down. Remember, remember. Where'd I go here? I went too far. Can you help me? Thank you, Vlad. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Now, let's imagine... You're in the church in Philippi, and you're, it's a room, and there are 30 of you in a room, and you get a letter from Paul, the founding pastor, and Paul reads, uh, they read this letter from Paul, and Paul says, being confident, I know you, and being confident of this, that our Heavenly Father, who is incredibly patient, with us. The one who began a good work in you. 
He's not going to bug out early. He's not going to check out. He's not going to give up. He's not going to write you off. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He is relentless. The good news is he's relentless. The bad news is he's relentless. Because there are times in your life where you're not going to want him to create this masterpiece to completion. You're going to want him to leave you alone, and he just will not. He who began a good work in you will see it through to completion for his own glory. Oh, I'm thankful that our Heavenly Father doesn't give up on us. Lord, we thank you for this teaching and this time. We're thankful for this message and this reminder that we should be patient with people, that we should be prayerful for people, that we should remember the best and let go of our hurts. That if we're going to get along in this world with people, we're going to have to do some things that are, are sometimes uncomfortable and not easy. And then the lesson for the day of you who began a good work in us, we'll see it through to completion. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We ask God that you would remind us of that this week as we go through life and if we have to, as we have to deal with people. And as if people have to deal with us, help us to be reminded that you aren't finished with us yet and that we should be patient with each other and with ourselves. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.